You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumpacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Charlotte Abate, Emily Ballou, and Samantha Marisandecas, and this is Young, Scrappy, and Hungry. Hey there, how are you doing? Welcome back. Today, we are covering our theme of stepping into the room. So auditions, interviews, portfolios, cover letters, resumes, all that good stuff. Just the beginnings of really starting your career and specifically starting your career in theater. Um, So let's get it going. Obviously, with the recent announcement of the Broadway shutdown being extended through May 2021, everybody is thinking about what we should be doing during this time during a pandemic, whether you're an actor or looking into producing or doing the technical side of theater or just anything about theater. Let's get into some resources then. One, our resources. If anyone has heard of The Muse, it's just a website where they post like helpful articles and information. And there is one article that they have posted that's 185 powerful verbs that will make your resume awesome. That's the title. Um, We'll have everything linked in the description just so everyone knows for resources. Um, But this has this this website this article has helped me so 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 much um in terms of writing um bullet points for my resume and for just like action verbs for my cover letter writing um obviously you don't want to use like super general verbs on a resume or cover letter that's just kind of like the rule of thumb just to keep it um, interesting and specific. And so this article has been like really, really helpful to me and hopefully will be to you. And then the other website that I wanted to just uh, shout out, Indeed. And mainly it is like a a website for job postings and like it's similar to LinkedIn, but with Indeed, um, they have a section of their website that is devoted to like cover letter samples. So if you were looking for a specific, um, if you were applying to a specific job, um, let's say 
like for me, I have been applying recently to a lot of like marketing coordinator or like marketing assistant positions. And if you went onto this website that we're going to have linked again, um, if you clicked on that link and went and searched like marketing assistant cover letters, it'll come up with um, a couple of samples of types of cover letters and like the types of content and layout that you could use um, just as like a guideline for writing your cover letter. And it's super helpful. I love it a lot. And I use it a lot. So this will definitely help you out. Resource that I have been really into lately is called the Kilroy's List. The Kilroy's is a group of playwrights and directors and producers in LA and New York who are really aiming to highlight and promote underrepresented voices. And so they release this annual list of a bunch of new plays by women, trans, and non-binary playwrights. Just a few weeks ago, they released the second volume of their book, which has a lot of great scenes and monologues. And so if you are an actor looking for new audition material to engage with during this time, then I definitely urge you to look at some of these different plays. I've certainly been pouring myself into all of these different scenes and monologues and I've found some really great ones to use myself or just to read for fun. And so that's definitely a, a wonderful resource. And then something else, because digital theater is very much a thing nowadays, everybody's sort of figuring out how to audition online and how to submit self-tapes. And there are so many different resources out there, but broadwayworld.com just released a bunch of helpful tips on you know how to make a successful self-tape, which is really nice, you know, concrete information dealing with uh, how to dress, and what your background should be, um, how you should light yourself and use sound. One of the tips was you don't need a fancy, expensive camera to make a self-tape. You can just use your phone and makes auditioning and sending in self-tapes so much more accessible to everyone as well. What about you, Samantha? Awesome. No, those are great resources that I'm hearing. Two of the resources that I have, one of them is uh, USITT, which is the Association for Performing Arts and uh, entertainment professionals. They have an education and training tab. And I feel like right now it's a really great time to be able to utilize any webinars that are going on. So a couple of the webinars that they have coming up is like know your copyright. Uh, for educators, they have online and distance learning. They have stage manager theory as a guide to practice cultivating a creative approach. So those are really great uh, resources that they're going to be having this month and upcoming months. And for sure, there's going to be more web, uh, webinars coming up. They also have Link, a virtual 2020 event that's coming up, and a couple of other things that they are uh, bringing online in their education and training tab, which I feel like specifically for college students would just be great to really utilize right now. Um, and then my second resource, it's from this website called soundgirls.org and is a platform for uh, girls in sound design and sound tech. Um, and I, I feel like specifically with this article, it's really just a good tool to use for anyone in the field. So it's interview tips for the theater technician, but there's one specific part that I've eventually had to use throughout the years in interviews that I feel like it's just great for everyone to utilize, and it's taking notes. 
yes, we feel kind of awkward just looking down and writing down notes when obviously the person's right in front of us. Um, and yes, that can feel uncomfortable, but don't think that it's like showing them that you're not paying attention. You're writing down notes, you're paying attention. That also shows a lot more to the person that you are talking to and who is interviewing you. So taking down notes of like what questions they're asking you, some of the things that they're saying about the company or about the role or the position, um, whatever it may be that you're going in for and taking in those notes also then to ask the question for the company, like what can I bring into the company? But you never wanna come in not having a question. We always hear that. And we're all just trying to figure out what questions to bring in. Cause we're like, we're coming in to figure out the company. But at the same time, you should already come in knowing a little bit of background and asking whatever, whatever you have in mind with the background that you already came in with, with what you are getting at the moment. And also hearing what the employer has to say too. So yeah, those are a couple of resources that I got. Again, all of the resources that we've listed are gonna be in the descriptions. Act two. Today we have with us Stephanie Everett. Uh, she is an actor, designer, and playwright originally from Silver Spring, Maryland. She recently received a BA in theater and African-American studies at Dartmouth College, where she also played varsity soccer before finding her way back to the theater. As an athlete and performer since the age of four, she approaches every work from an original, technical, and energetic perspective. Stephanie is also the advancement and events coordinator of the Sappho Project, a musical theater development organization for women and trans and gender non-conforming composers, lyricists, and book writers. As a playwright, Stephanie is particularly interested in normalizing marginalized experiences. As such, her work raises awareness for LGBTQIA communities, invisible disabilities, and mental health disparities. As a human, Stephanie has more than a slight obsession with flannels, tiny houses, honeybees, and Serena Williams. Welcome to Young, Scrappy, and Hungry, Steph. Welcome. I also Thank love... I love tiny house. Oh, <laughs> yes, you must. How can you not? <laughs> True. All right. Today we are talking all about what it is like being a young artist, especially in the time of COVID-19 and really discussing all there is about that. I was wondering if we could just kind of start off with your recent live closing of your one person show it's fine i'm fine and tell us a little bit about that yeah so two days ago i finished production um i finished live shows of a one woman show that i wrote at northern stage theater as part of an internship with dartmouth college and i it started about three years ago and it was just meant to be like a creative outlet for every intern we had to come up with something and so I started writing about um, this head injury that had taken me off the soccer team and somehow into an internship for regional theater um, and the show itself is about all the unforeseen consequences of this invisible injury beyond like the physical manifestations of it um, it ended up affecting pretty much every single one of my relationships affecting like my relationship to food and to 
like alcohol and college and all the things in college. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's sort of like finally unpacking what all of that was actually like and trying to put it into like an hour something for people to watch and hopefully enjoy and hopefully learn from. Um, so when I got word that Northern State, they asked me if so many things went right for it to happen, being that the theater itself, the building is very new. So they could maintain a lot of equities like safety guidelines. They could upgrade their HVAC systems. They could maintain like a really rigorous cleaning schedule um, and house me very close to the theater in Vermont. And just so many things went right. <laughs> um, so we had live audiences, max like 30 people every night. Um, and then it just started streaming this past week for anyone who didn't feel comfortable going to the theater, but also for people around the States, which is kind of cool. Like all my family and all my friends that I've not seen since college finally get to see it. And what was kind of the process of getting all of that approved? I understand you were like one of four productions um, that has been approved to do a live performance. That's huge. Yeah. Equity is very understandably taking it very seriously. So I actually was not a part of any of those discussions, really. I really have to hand it to the staff at Northern Stage for having those conversations on my behalf and making sure that everything was super, super safe. I was getting tested once a week. Everyone in the theater was getting tested once a week. Um, a lot of the interns there who were Dartmouth students were getting tested at Dartmouth and in our space. So it was just very much a bubble that we had the privilege to be a part of. We had to fill out like health pre-screens every day on our way in. But other than that, I wasn't really a part of the planning process. I just got to come in and be an actor in what was as close to normal as I could imagine. What a like insane way to like have to do theater, but at least it's something. Yeah, yeah it was just so like I... I'm really lucky to have built a relationship with Northern Stage that like that was not my first time going back. Um, and it's actually, I was there doing a show called Citrus when the pandemic started. So <laughs> to go back to the place where I was before life sort of blew up um, was really special to me. But so different to like not be able to hug anyone there and like no one could touch my props and I was doing my own laundry and all these things that were just different enough that like you really felt it <laughs> even when it did feel pretty close to normal getting on stage every night. Something that I've really been thinking about is just the liveliness within all these small regional theaters and how this is really where you know theater is gonna make a little steps towards a comeback. Um, what are your what are your thoughts on that too? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think about this a lot especially because I am a part of the Sappho project, which is really aiming to make a sort of like grassroots run at an overhaul of American theater, um, musical theater specifically. Uh, I think like regional theaters have, what's so special is the community that surrounds them. Like I probably knew a good third of the patrons who were there in the shows, even though I couldn't see them and talk to them afterwards, I'd see their faces and say, oh my gosh, you were here like three years ago when I just did a, like a little reading of 20 minutes of this show and you're still here supporting your theater and making donations and making it possible. 
I mean, I think the biggest difference is that regional theaters tend to be newer spaces, um, especially a lot of the more prominent ones, whereas a Broadway house, you're probably in there and breathing air from 1920. Um, so like, <laughs> it's just hard to know, like, who do we contact about that? <laughs> um, but right. At Northern Stage, you knew who could fix the HVAC, like you knew. <laughs> um, and other regional theaters, it's, you know, they're all going to have their own path in the comeback. But I don't know, I, I do think that they are uniquely positioned and usually sort of in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, being in Vermont was very much a privilege. An ideal location. Truly. <gasps> Um, I definitely am biased because I am from Vermont. But. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's like my dream state. And my dad is originally from there. Yes. And like obviously went to Dartmouth and was like, oh my gosh, leaves changing colors. <laughs> I'm not a city girl. So I was so grateful. Um, I quarantined in Harlem for oh, six months. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, I was just like, oh my gosh, fresh air. <laughs> um, I'm like kind people. It <laughs> 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 was incredible. Could you tell us a little bit more about your work with the Sappho Project and everything happening with that? Yeah, um, the Sappho Project started in February. Five of us sort of came together. Um, my roommate, Justine Goggin, is the artistic director. And she was connected with someone through her acting studio. And then those two people brought in what is now the five sort of founding members of the Sappho Project. And we were all five very different humans and very different actors, but we kept finding ourselves in the same audition rooms and we're like, why is that? (laughs) And why am I trying to shape like all of my black queerness into a blonde woman's role who has like no lines and no arc and no real effect on the story? (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And why am I waking up at 4am to do that? just so many questions um Mm -hmm. and so that's we started thinking about like what how do we get to the root of that problem and it's really in the writing um and we did all these like or we were talking about math and science and whatever but we were doing all these statistical like research projects to see what the math actually was and if you were to look at all of the Broadway shows that have won a Tony, 0.02% of them have been written completely by women. Wow. And like 0% by TGNC folks. So it was just like, okay, this feels like a really clear disparity. And part of that is like theater is so much about it's who you know, and it's so much about money, and it's so much about development that it takes like three to seven years on average for someone with all the privilege and all the right opportunities to develop a Broadway show. And so if you don't have any of that, like, it's just impossible. So we're trying to, we're in the business, I guess, of like redistributing wealth in terms of monetary wealth, intellectual wealth, just like opportunities that exist that aren't shared broadly and just disseminating that information as widely as we can and that money as widely as we can um, just to give women and TGNC composers and lyricists a fighting chance. Other than your work with the Sappho Project, um, 
how else have you been finding creative outlets or ways to continue work um, as an actor and artist over the past few months or non-creative outlets, just, just outlets in general too? Mm -hmm. I feel like I went through all the stages of like creative projects that everyone <laughs> went through. Like we embroidered for a minute and then we like did <laughs> for a minute, but it was Baking. like not really. Yeah, Sourdough starters. Oh my yeah. gosh. It was not really soothing to me. I was just bored. Um, <laughs> what was helpful to me, I guess, I sort of accidentally fell into assistant set designing um, for Lawrence Moten, who's a New York-based set designer, and he, like, guest taught a class at Dartmouth that I just, like, took <laughs> my senior spring. <laughs> and, and then he hired me out of the class to assist him because I really loved model making, which, like, really goes along with my love for tiny houses. Um, <laughs> yes. But, like, I literally, oh, gosh, I don't have them here to show you, but I have like little models of what my tiny house will look like. And I started making what? like if I read a play, I just start like, what does that look like? So I just have like little cities built uh, <laughs> in cardstock, like everywhere. I love that. Anything yeah. miniature to me is like so the amazing. cutest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I just, it's just like a, it, it became a way, especially, like, making my little tiny house model. It just is so silly. That's, like, what I actually really hope is in my future. <laughs> so to mm -hmm. be in this time of uncertainty and be, like, one day, <laughs> this will be, like, 20 feet. <laughs> Not that much bigger, but... Um, Dreaming but big. <laughs> yeah. We're laying the groundwork in this time for the bigger dream. Uh, switching gears a little bit, how do you stand out in an interview or an audition? And do you have any advice or sort of do's and don'ts that come to your mind that might be helpful for others trying to break into this business? Yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> am I qualified? Um, <laughs> None of us are. I, None yeah, of us are. I, I mean, We're I guess figuring it out. <laughs> What I do is I am really intentional about what auditions I show up to because it is such a draining process mm -hmm. and you start to see the same people at every audition and you sort of wonder like, how are you still standing? How are you? It's like very much this grind mentality that is not really that useful because um, then you sit in these rooms and you hear people saying, that like they didn't even know what they were showing up for. They were just like, yeah, I just have to get in line and like maybe this song will work. And I think that's, I didn't have the traditional conservatory theater education that said like, you need a book of eight songs. I was like, I read about that on Google, I guess. And <laughs> I can sing these few songs, but I tend to like, if I have to pick a new song for an audition that I'm excited about, I'll pick a new song and I'll learn it and I'll work on it and I'll show up to that audition rested not having been in line at 4 a.m every other day and it just makes the world of difference because it's not contrary to I think what happens and to popular belief like obviously casting directors can tell when you're unprepared obviously they can tell when you're like 
you don't really know how you would fit into their show. And that's just sort of disrespectful of their time too. Mm-hmm. Um, so the biggest thing I learned in my first year, cause I did definitely start by like, I could be in the show, let me go. Um, mm-hmm. And that was more to figure out the process and the etiquette or lack thereof. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, um, I, I had my like literally two weeks of that. And then I was like, great, that's cool. I know where to go. I know how people are in the morning. <laughs> now I'm going to just show up for things that speak to me as an artist, speak to me as a human, because that's why I got into theater, is to show like the humanity of these characters. So that's my quote-unquote advice, <laughs> is to just really know what and why you're showing up. That is so helpful. I, I, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were talking about how like auditioning is basically like a full-time job in and of itself and how it shouldn't be that way. When I give a bad audition, it sticks with me. And I am such an empath that I just absorb all of the feelings in these audition rooms. So especially after a bad audition, it's just like, it's not useful for anyone. And I maybe just took a spot from someone who like, for whom this was their dream show. And I performed poorly. And like, obviously bad auditions happen, but the more you can minimize those chances and like actually feel good about yourself in these rooms it's like all you can really do for yourself totally sure definitely with the experience you've had so far I was wondering if you maybe had any insight to some obstacles that you've come across and whether or not you have overcome them or just what you've learned from them the biggest and perhaps most transparent one but like real one is financially Mm -hmm. Um, I mean first of all I have the privilege of knowing that my parents will catch me if I fall yeah and so that Mm -hmm. has given me an incredible amount of privilege over some people that I share these rooms with but at the same time I have a lot of pride and like don't want to accept that help so I was very adamant about like finding a job before I even got there and I worked as a barista I mean I'm very much an introvert I don't go out I don't drink I don't do any of that stuff. I'm not like big on group exercise classes. Like I figured out very early on what I like really needed versus convenient and fun and what all my friends were doing in college and figured out what I actually needed to pay for. And I realized like I could get by perfectly fine working 20 to 24 hours a week, which is in the grand scheme of things in New York, nothing. (laughs) So, I mean, I was able to build a life for myself that was comfortable and reliable that still gave me time to be an artist and didn't have me in that like constant grind so I I, yeah I just learned the financial aspect of it very quickly and it made a lot of the other decisions easier down the road a big question but you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier about regrounding yourself and going back to what really inspires you to do theater and your core love of theater what what inspires you to do theater? Like, what, what is it? Oh, um, <laughs> I, I guess the big revelation that I mentioned in my show, too, about leaving the soccer team is that I didn't really like soccer at all. And, like, even now, I'm, I, it's, I find it boring to watch, which is maybe offensive to say to the community that held me for so long. But I, um, I, I was able to pick and choose what I liked about soccer and all the other sports I did and apply it 
to theater. She's, she's a mover. She's not a dancer, but we attribute that to sports and like knowing how to move my body. Um, and like working as a team, um, or ensemble, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, what really did it for me? I, I did this internship and theater had always just been something I also did as an extracurricular and, you know, college resume, <laughs> um, <laughs> the thing we do. And it's sort of fun, but it's very useful to us. So when I did this internship, I was given my first professional contract in Little Mermaid. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to miss all the holidays because it ran through um, Thanksgiving and Christmas. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to miss all the holidays. I'm going to be in Vermont. I'm going to be with 20 something strangers. And I'm going to be in a leather corset and mermaid tail for eight weeks. And so I feel like if I am still loving it on January 5th, like that will be a sign. And I was still having the time of my life in this like hot pink and purple wig that was like curly and like, Oh my God. It was so not me. And (laughs) that's what I loved about it. It's fabulous. It's gorgeous. It yeah. was, I was living for this like persona that I could put on. And what really sealed the deal for me is that every night I would see a kid in an aerial costume Aww. or just someone in the front row, like whose feet didn't even touch the floor and they were living and like Aww. thought we were real. And like there was all. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> we were, like at one point in Under the Sea, I was a jellyfish and I had this absurdly huge umbrella with like streamers and I'd walk through the aisles and they would lose their minds. <laughs> and I was just like, this is actual magic. This is as close to magic and escape and happiness that you can get. And on the flip side, you can bring up some very difficult issues. Like my show brings up the two hardest years of my life and all these things that no one knows about me. And you, it's a way in for them to understand. Like people come up to me after my show saying, oh, you know, I, my granddaughter like dealt with a lot of concussions and I had no idea it was like that. Or even like my husband is a vet and suffers from mental illness and it's like, I feel like I understand a way to speak to him just from seeing your show. Like it's, it's just the, there is nothing like, obviously y'all know this. There's just nothing like theater to create like communal empathy and change societal norms mm-hmm. and just like make a little four-year-old girl's entire life. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Absolutely. In the same show. Like <laughs> it's, yeah. So that, you know, that did it for, we hit January 5th and I was like, do I have to give up the corset? (laughs) (laughs) Can I bring it home? Can we keep it? (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'll do this as like a career. (laughs) Uh, Your show, It's Fine, I'm Fine, is available to stream online for the next month. So (laughs) we will link that with our episode um, when posted. So definitely if you're listening and tuning in to hear um, watch that before uh, you can't. Girl, I, I'm going to watch it tomorrow. <laughs> yep. Oh, hit me up. Yes. <laughs> it's honestly, it's so impressive. I'm going to just shout his name to the high heavens. Alec Diva is the film designer and editor. Cause I was like, okay, we're filming it. Like we'll put a camera at the back of the house. It'll be cute. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. 
this man's was like, okay, and now I'm gonna like get a shot of your feet and like now I'm gonna get like just your hands on your guitar. Like I'm just it's like Whoa. a film is what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know. I still I need to like still take a minute away before I watch myself. Um mm-hmm. but I hear it's great. Just to, it's super cool what they've been able to do. I think it's setting an example. And do you have any upcoming work? And like, what's what's next after this? Oh man, no, I don't have upcoming work. But I'm sneaking into Canada next week. Um, oh my god, to okay. see a doctor for the said head issues. In okay. it's fine, I'm fine. Um, and we'll probably be there till December. So that's my thing. Yeah, this show like really afforded me the time and the space and the financials to take care of myself. <laughs> yeah. Good. Very, very important. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's that. I'm like writing a little bit, but not for anything. And I'm, I'm working with Sappho. Um, mm-hmm. We're in the thick of a development lab for four new musicals that I'm just so excited about. So, well, yeah, incredible. we're, we're hitting the, we're hitting the computer these days. <laughs> As we all are. Uh, yeah. As we all are. You know. And the last thing we would love to ask you is if you had one, <laughs> one snippet or one piece of advice you would give for young artists, what would it be? Um, figure out what you like. It feels super simple, but it's really hard when you're given a curriculum in school, especially, and you're told what type you are. Mm-hmm. um just etc cetera, etc cetera. like figure out what you like because I think it makes a difference when I show up in a room and I'm like th- like this character just objectively is me <laughs> and like you're gonna see it because I actually know what I like and I know what I am capable of and it's not about being like cocky and all that it's just like really having an awareness of who you are like taking a second to write that out and looking at that every day (laughs) it's like yeah this is what pulls me to theater and so what is out there in the world that upholds that and gives space for that and how can I be a part of it yeah well thank you so much for taking time uh to come on our show this has been lovely heck yeah yes thank you yes thank you so much for your time and congratulations on everything that you have been doing absolutely yeah. i'm literally yeah. i'm going to watch the bachelorette to celebrate this day wow. yes what a way to is what i deserve exactly <laughs> that's how i'm celebrating i hope y'all have a lovely night uh-huh. well Likewise. thank you so much and we can't wait to see everything that is coming in your future Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Woo. Now time for act three, our questions and answers. We've gotten a couple of questions on the link that we shared out. So thank you to those who have sent us questions. And now is our time to answer them. Again, we are all with you and trying to learn these things that we are trying to answer as much as we know, as much as we've experienced and been through. And also, hey, maybe this is something we need to consider too. So yeah, absolutely. And in answering these questions, we're definitely also going to be having discussions about um, our own experiences with this t- with this stuff. So let's jump right in. So our first question, which I think Emily is going to take away, is what are the different types of auditions? Great. So if you are an actor, auditions are either your friend or your foe. And there are so many different types, depending on what sort of theater you're looking to go into. College-wise, big cattle call auditions where you go to a huge convention with hundreds, maybe even thousands of other students, and you audition for college programs there. The same thing sort of happens if you're looking for summer stock auditions as well and sort of summer work and internships. You also go to these big cattle call auditions. I actually went to NETC's, the New England Theater Conference, back in beginning of March pre-pandemic. Had an absolute wonderful time. It was just outside of Boston. And here I auditioned for summer stock acting opportunities. A lot of different companies and small regional theaters were there. And you went in, you sang your song, you did a monologue, then you were done. Then if you were called for a dance call later that evening, you went and learned that. Then you went in small groups and danced for the theaters there. And then there was a huge sort of call board of which theaters and um, regional theaters and employers wanted to see you either for another callback or for an interview afterwards. And so you sort of run around and make sure you get all of those things. If you're not looking for a college audition or a summer stock job opportunity, there are also open calls and different set calls and cold readings and that sort of thing for other sort of auditions if you're looking for more work that's not around, you know, educational-based learning. And so really whatever you want to look for, um, a lot of small regional theaters just post audition calls on their call boards right on their websites, or you can always go to different forums online to find these auditions. Also, depending on where you live, you can find different places that are that are having auditions. So you kind of look for, look for what you are interested in. Yeah. And I just wanted to ask, so I was not a performance um, major in high school or in high school, in college. Um, but I know you guys, both Emily and Samantha are. 
And I wanted to know, did either of you have to audition for your programs? And like, what was that like? Yeah, so um, I am not so much of a performer that much now. But I remember auditioning because I first came in as a performer. And I, um, I remember auditioning and I... There in South Texas, there was the South Texas um, College and University auditions, and UT was there. Um, and I remember UT, it was UT, U of H, and I think UT El Paso was there. So I just remember going in, and it was like a one minute monologue. I also did a song, and it was like a 16 bar, 30 second song, you know, the usual. And yeah, so that was pretty much it and then of course you had to with UT you have to um submit an application in general for the actual UT system and then you have to send in a separate application for the department of theater and dance so then I had to send well first you have to send in that application and then go ahead and audition and yeah and then that was that was really pretty much it looking back on that. But I did do like the big cattle call uh, auditions later on in during my senior year. So it was just a bunch of students and a bunch of schools just all in one big like conference room. And there's some that time you. So if you go over a minute 45 seconds whatever the time limit it may be they will stop you and they'll say thank you <laughs> and it's harsh but I mean you gotta do it um but I remember going to some of those and then afterwards it's just like lists from the schools and it just says it, it either says your name if it says your name then you go to the booth afterwards and you go and talk to the representative yeah but that was my experience what about you Emily I did not audition specifically for my program. I go to Middlebury College, which is a small liberal arts college in Vermont. And it's not an odd, a bi-audition program. Um, but once you get here, you audition for the different faculty shows and productions. Um, while you apply to Middlebury, I did submit an art supplement, which was then reviewed um, by the college. That was sort of my my process to getting here. I wasn't really looking for the conservatory route for undergrad. And so I did not do a big counter call audition until until last year for summer opportunities. Emily, what do you recommend wearing to an audition? The ultimate question. You <laughs> are hopefully very prepared at this point with your audition material. You have your set, you're ready to go. You've timed yourself because you don't want to go over as Samantha mentioned. And I absolutely stress about what I'm wearing. But I would say the best advice that I've been given and that I also have seen to be true is something that you can walk into your audition room confident wearing, something that makes you feel good, that you can move around in, that nothing's restricting your movement, making sure that also shoes, you're wearing the correct shoes. If you're going to a dance audition, obviously you need your shoes to dance in, whether it's character shoes, jazz shoes, sneakers, whatever. Um, but then what you're wearing into the audition, something that makes you comfortable and makes you feel confident. And I recently have been a very big fan of jumpsuits. They are very 
fun to wear and really nice patterns and colors and just very, they make me feel confident walking into an audition. If you're auditioning for anything really, unless they ask for a costume, do never, ever go in a costume. Sometimes if you're auditioning for a specific show, then you might want to dress in some sort of a vibe um, that more aligns with the show that you're going for or the role that you might be in. But word of advice, bottom line, never go on a costume, but go on something that you're confident in. Some auditions also specify if they want you to come wearing something specific. This more goes for dance calls, if they want you to wear a Leo, that sort of thing. Yeah, and also there are a lot of um, stores to go and purchase these items of clothing. You don't need to spend like an arm and a leg (laughs) to get a really nice blazer. I mean, Goodwill and a bunch of thrift stores can make you look like you're wearing something that's not five bucks. So um, yeah, to really utilize those resources as well. And also there should be... um, other other resources within your community to be able to get totally appropriate attire um for your audition but the number one thing really like how everyone has been saying just make sure that you're comfortable is the biggest thing really because if you're comfortable on then you're like once you're on stage or whatever the platform may be you're gonna be killing it yeah absolutely yeah And you don't want your clothes to be another level of like nervousness or anxiety that is like added on. You don't need that. You're already, I would say 99% of people are already nervous enough going into inner or going into auditions. And so your clothing should not be one of those factors. Okay. Next question is, this is a big question. Is going to college necessary? Oh my goodness. There's no one path for every person to take, especially in, um, I mean, in any field, but especially in performance. Um, if you're going to be a musician, if you're going to be in theater, if you're going to be an actor, um, a singer, whatever, that you can really go either way. And it's kind of up to you. Do you think that um, going to college would do what is right for you do what you think is gonna um fulfill your goals and your um needs yeah and there's also different types of education that you could pursue so whether it's going to a four-year accredited university or a conservatory which whichever it may be just as long as you're doing what you love and you're actually studying what you love it's gonna be a blast no matter the experience no matter what's going on it's going to be a blast. I feel like though education should not be taken for granted though. Um, if you are, if you have the opportunity to do so, and if you want to like take all of it in as much as possible. Um, but also you don't need to go to a conservatory or for your accredited university or even a community college there are workshops you can go to. There's like private trainings that you can go to. It's just all about um, the resources that are available to you, but also there are grants that you can apply for in order to pay for those things. So there, just know that there are resources out there for you to do what you want to do. Next question. 
Um, okay. What did you learn in college or what do you learn in college if you study theater and do you take things like math and science? Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm taking my last core class right now. I'm taking a science right now. And as an arts major, okay. So there's that. Um, yeah, depending on the school that you go to, I know for sure, like community colleges and, um, any other college or university, you are going to have to take core classes. So you're going to have to take your English, your, your languages, your math, science, histories, all of that. Um, but the great thing though, is that depending on the courses that are taking, you are really going to learn like a lot of interesting things though. I know in my experience at UT Austin, they try to, um, whether you're in, whether you're in an acting track, they try to at least have you take a technical theater class just for you to be, to be able to understand the different sides and areas within theater. Um, so that's been my experience and usually traditionally what tends to happen and what everyone usually goes through. But what about y'all? What do you think? Yeah, at my college, as I mentioned, I go to a small liberal arts school. And because of that, we have a very much of a interdisciplinary approach to our learning here. And so we have what's called distributives. And so kind of like your core classes, there are different categories that we have to take a class in. But I found that it has not been difficult fulfilling those distributive requirements. I have taken a geology class before absolutely loved it um we had a great time learning about rocks and other than that I do take things outside of my theater major I'm a double major my other major is American studies and I've taken different classes about um different classes in other departments like poli sci and English and all across campus and that's really helped me taking these classes outside my theater major has definitely helped me as an actor and as a student in the world of theater because I can bring so many different perspectives into what I'm doing and just the historical side of different plays and going into the dramaturgical aspects of it has been extremely helpful, um, which you don't necessarily always get that in every program you go to, but I've loved that about where I am. One last, one last thing I do want to say regarding that question, and it's more of advice is try to at least take one class outside of your concentration. You will open yourself up to mm-hmm. so much more. If you're in tech, yes, I know it's very uncomfortable to take like a performance kind of kind of course, but depending on what your university offers, like take a directing class or take a dramaturgy class and vice versa. If if you're in theater, but you like your university offers a dance class, try to take that dance class. Um, so yeah, that's like my, that's not going to lie. That's like my biggest regret that I've had. I wanted to take a dance class, but I just couldn't fit it into my schedule. But if you can, please do stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Even though I am an acting concentration, I learned so much from when I took a lighting design course Um, Because I do dance and sometimes in my dance shows that I participate in, I can help with the lighting um, if I'm choreographing that piece. 
And being able to know how lighting works and how to ask for what I want has been so helpful. Same thing goes for directing. I also stage managed a show a few falls ago. And being able to really understand every side of the table and every side of the production is so helpful, no matter what your concentration focus is. Let's go on to our last question. Okay, How do you make a resume or a cover letter? Um, And then it, it... this person also asked about um, getting headshots and how important these three things are. I obviously think that resumes are incredibly important. And I just think it's so, so absolutely necessary, but also so useful for yourself to just like keep track of what you've done and what you're doing and what you're working towards. Um, But in terms of how, um, at least at UT Austin, we all had a template that we basically had to make our resumes off of and kind of keep to that. Um, And then we had like a a course that we would take freshman year called BA 101. It was very exciting where basically it was like a class about like writing a resume, making a LinkedIn and all that great exciting stuff. Also, big tip, keep all your resumes separate. You are Mm -hmm. going to have so many different resumes. Also, depending on the field that you're in. So an acting resume is going to look completely different from the resume of a producer or a technician or a director. Um, Also, when it comes to portfolios, that's also going to be completely different too. So when you are saving all of these resumes and cover letters, they need to be organized in a way where you won't mix and match them. And they are distinct for certain opportunities, for certain jobs, for certain roles, for certain areas. Um, So that is very important to know. Know your resume. Know your resume, all in all. What about you, Emily? What do you think? It's definitely different for actors. I have separate resumes, whether I'm giving one an audition that I'm acting at, Versus whether I'm giving one for a job opportunity. Mm-hmm. And actor-wise, obviously, list all of your roles of your sort of bigger roles or bigger productions that you're in and go down the list. Once you get into end of college and pre-professional auditions, most auditions, they don't care much about some any of the roles that you had in middle school or high school that they care about the most recent ones. So even if resume doesn't look very long, keep the big recent roles that you've had and break it down with stage acting or voiceover work or film work. And then of course, at the bottom, list any special skills you have. And then on the other line of headshots, um, yes, you would want a more professional looking one um, if you're going for professional auditions. Um, But if you do not have access to that, then taking one on a phone is better than having nothing. Um, But I would say definitely get a good headshot that can sort of show your character and who you are if you are going for those auditions that need one. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, yes. If you have any friends that even do photography too, help them out. If you know of anyone with a nice camera around you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Make use of the photography students. They're looking for opportunities to get experience, to have portraits to put in their portfolios. And so you'd be helping each other out. Just another question that we got was kind of vague and open-ended. So I just want to touch on it really quickly. Um, Someone asked, what do they ask in interviews? 
obviously this is super, super subjective. It really depends on the position you're going for, what kind of company you're going um, to interview for. Um, But I would say the biggest questions that you want to have prepared to, like you want to have answers prepared for are um, a lot of people are going to ask like, what is your biggest strength? What's your biggest weakness? A lot of people are going to ask about your biggest weakness. Also, I try to have like something at the end of your answer, make it have like a little bit of a positive spin. Yeah. And another question that, uh, depending on the interview, right. Uh, but another question that they'll ask, cause I've been asked this before and I was like, hooey, I wish I had some form of education on it was, um, what was an experience that you had that it was some, it was in the words of like, what was an experience that you had that strengthened your weaknesses or your abilities and your strengths? Um, and how did you handle that situation? Um, and a good rule that I was actually given by an advisor was make like, it's going to sound so self-centered, right? But they're asking about you. So try to more than anything, talk about what you did in the situation, what you gained from it, than the entire situation as a whole. Anything else? I <laughs> think that'll do it for this episode. Great. So um, yeah, again, if you have any other questions about this topic, obviously we didn't cover everything. It's kind of impossible to cover everything in this amount of time. Um, <clears throat> so uh, if you have any other More. questions about it, Either use our Google form that's linked in our Instagram bio at BPN interns. It's also on our um, Broadway podcast network um, description page. And, um, or you can just DM us on Instagram. Yes. Again, if you have any resources that you want to send us again, you can just send it to us in the Google form, or you can DM DM us on our Instagram at BPN intern. We are more than happy to look through those resources as it will help us and also help all of y'all that are, um, listening and we might, Mm -hmm. um, feature them in some of our, in some of our episodes. Thanks for listening to young, scrappy and hungry. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.